Hey everybody, welcome to Signals from the Frontline, every Wednesday live cast here on not only Twitch, boom for episode 700 of Signals from the Frontline, we decided to modernize, to futurize, and to, Frankie, take it away, exercise! There you go. That's, All right! That's great. We still don't have uh, sound effects, so we make our own, but <laughs> we are on multiple platforms, so. Yeah, we decided to do One something. One step at a time. Indeed. Yep. One step at a time. Maybe by episode 800, we'll do something like, <laughs> I don't know, sound effects. Yeah. There you go. Eh, no promises. Sound effects are great. But normally we stream live on Twitch at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Today we're streaming on Twitch, Facebook, and YouTube. And Mariana, the technical wizard behind the camera, Ooh. has told me you can also stream on uh, Twitter, which is, I had, oh, yeah. I had no idea you could do that. But, you know, look at this mustache. Do you think I know what's going on on Twitter? No, I don't. <laughs> Not at all. Even though I do handle our Twitter account. True. So if you see bad memes on there, <laughs> that's you can thank me for that. Killing it. So at any rate, thank you for everybody that's joining us live on Facebook and YouTube. And, of course, to everybody that joins us on Twitch. If you're listening to the podcast or you're watching this rebroadcast on YouTube and you're wondering who we're responding to, it's people in the chat. So if you want to join the discussion live, you can do so via any of those three platforms or four, probably by next episode. And we uh, answer questions as we go as much as we can. And of course, we always appreciate people correcting us when we say something stupid. <laughs> or incorrect. Which is pretty frequently. Yeah. But all of that aside, welcome to Signals from the Frontline. This show is brought to you by FrontlineGaming.org, where you can get your tabletop gaming goodies at a discount. We offer free shipping options within the continental United States. Thank you to everybody who's been a customer. Super appreciate it. Let's jump in and talk about the news before we take a trip down memory lane. <laughs> talking about how we got here and where we're going. Ooh. So this week's pre-order for Games Workshop, which of course you can get via our web cart at store.frontlinegaming.org, is the new Blackstone, Blackstone Fortress expansion Ascension. This obviously expands upon the very popular living uh, board game, Blackstone Fortress. Uh, the game's really popular. We, we uh, sell quite a few units, more than I would have thought, for a game like this. And this latest expansion brings you new models and new adventures in the game. Pick that up from us if you want, store.frontlinegaming.org. There's also two novels. Ooh, so my favorite. If you didn't get enough Blackstone Fortress, you, you can, can get more. read more about it. It's great. Yeah, I think it's cool. Uh, the Black Library's been putting out a lot of high-quality stuff. Yeah. It's a mid-quality stuff. Um, some of it's uh, not, you know, not the works of Shakespeare, but it's fun and it lets you explore uh, some of these gaming worlds that you love so much in more depth. Yeah, and the models are incredible from Blackstone Fortress. So. Yeah, I mean, every all the new stuff GW's put out has been spectacular. Yeah, right. Like they're on the top of their game when it comes to model making. I don't know how, but it keeps getting better. <laughs> and the 40k stuff in the Blackstone. Uh, Fortress models are starting to come on par with what we've seen with Age of Sigmar. Yeah. And it, it makes me excited for the future. Like, what, what, what is next? A Primark, maybe. GW, are you listening? Come on. You've been teasing us. Give us about a Primark. Primarks for two editions now, and we haven't gotten another one. I'm starting to get a little, a little bit of uh, the blue, blue something or other. Blue mustache, yeah. Blue mustache. You're giving me the blue mustache, GW. Come on. Yeah. Come on. All right. And then next week, we have a really exciting release coming up. And this, of course, you can pre-order through us. Uh, the long-awaited Lumineth Realm Lords, a.k.a. Age of Sigmar High Elves, is going to be available for pre-order. Uh, we just want to say anyone that uh, likes to get this, some of the uh, box sets that come out with these, they tend to sell out right away. So if you want to grab one 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time in the web cart, make sure to grab them. Some of the other stuff, if you want to wait a day or two, no big deal. But um, those box sets tend to go really quick. And sometimes we don't get them back ever or for a very long period of time. Just look at the, um, the whole fiasco with uh, the ninth edition starter set Indominus. Uh, hey, they allowed you to buy more. That was a good move on their part. They I was really happy with the way they handled that because that, that was... Uh, they did get burned pretty hard. So That, was, that, 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 that could have been bad. <laughs> the release was interesting. And then, of course, also coming out is the long-awaited, COVID put a big delay on this, uh, the latest and greatest Horus Heresy book. Obviously, you can't get that from us, but you can get it from Forge World. 
And this one features my favorite Legion, the Night Lords, going toe-to-toe -to -toe with the Dark Angels and uh, the release of, of a Primarch for 30K, Lionel Johnson. So that should be a lot of fun. Yeah, his pose is really weird, though. I don't like his pose. You know, I, I like the model quite a bit. Um, I don't not, think it's the best of the 30K Primarchs, yeah. but it's certainly not the worst. It's just a weird, like, action pose. He's like, Nyeh. It's not even like a swing. It's not over his shoulder. It's like to the side. It's like, he's doing a whirlwind attack. I think Whirlwind attack! That's, that's what it is. <laughs> he probably announces it, too, when he does it. Yep. Now for my whirlwind attack! He's Everybody's like, like, oh, move away. <laughs> All right, we're good. The only thing <laughs> that could possibly save you is if you take a couple steps back. Yeah. Oh, no, it's so... Uh -huh. uh -huh. How did they know it was coming? This isn't an anime. It's really stupid <laughs> to announce your attack in, in reality or in the grim dark. <laughs> Unless you're just a complete badass. I'm about to hit you in the head. They're like, oh, God. And then you do it. Yeah. You just Babe Ruth it. That's what they're doing in anime. They're just Babe Ruthing it. That's right. <laughs> swinging for the fences. My dragon punch ability that if it hits you, you die. You're like, oh. But the only way to stop it is to... Yeah, they tell you like how to stop it yeah, half the time, too. It's, like, it's oh, if they have a glass of water, I'm done for. You're like, oh. <laughs> But then they never do it. No. Like, oh, no. Oh, I didn't see it coming. Uh, in the chat, War Mistress says that she also does not like the pose for Lionel Johnson. That's right. It's two to one, Reese. Um, all right. I guess I'm out. Tomodachi Express says, flaming board, sla flaming blade slash. Wait, because <laughs> I told him what I was doing. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. I still love anime, though. It doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. Even with the ridiculous... Like, they do a dance before they do the attack. Oh, the dances are even better. Like, like, in Dragon Ball, they do a literal dance when they do the fusion. Oh, yeah. On the boat, Vegeta even acknowledges at one point, he's like, oh, I don't want to do this. It looks so stupid. Until they get the earrings. <laughs> then you just have to put one earring on, and then you fuse. And that's much more masculine and cool. It's magic. <laughs> it's magic. They're dangly earrings, too. Uh, I know. Okay. I like it. It's like an 80s. <laughs> Which makes no sense. It's like an 80s rocker, one dangly yeah. earring. Look, it was, it's pretty wild. Uh, so let's talk about, before we go into the main topic of the show, which is going to do a little bit of reminiscing um, and give advice about podcasting and all that fun stuff, uh, we wanted to continue the discussion from last week. Last week, we talked about terrain in 9th edition 40K. Um, as organizers of the the independent the, uh, international tournament circuit, the ITC, um, and, and very active in the community, one of the number one points of feedback and the number one questions we've gotten from other event organizers is how to interpret 9th edition terrain rules. They're a vast improvement over what we had in 8th edition, but there's still a little bit of ambiguity. So I have this uh, ruin here. This is a common one that we use. This is a GW ruin, and it's on a custom base that we made. And the question is, how would you play this piece of terrain with the 9th edition terrain rules? <clears throat> Obviously, I think most people play this as a ruin, although I've had some people say that they would play this as a ruined wall which is a different keyword. Um, and the big question beyond that is if you're playing it as a ruin and has the obscuring keyword, would you count the entire base as having it or would you not? The rule book doesn't really depict ruins on bases because Games Workshop doesn't sell their kits on bases. So understandably, um, they're not gonna indicate to their customers that they need to do some sort of third party modification. But they do, they do acknowledge that a lot of people base their uh, ruins. As a matter of fact, if you go play at uh, Warhammer World, a lot of the ruins there are on bases. It makes the, the piece sturdier. It gives you a little bit more uh, coverage. But now with the obscuring keyword, it's a little weird because, and for those of you listening to the podcast, I'm holding up a ruin with a base. So use your imagination as best as possible. Be very descriptive, Reese. So Frankie, like if you have a model here on this side of the base, not touching it, and another model here, an enemy model, if you play the whole thing is obscuring, they can't see each other. Now, um, that's caused some confusion. Some players are like, yeah, the whole thing is obscuring, and it's an invisible column that extends up into the air that completely blocks on a sight, even if the models can see each other. Yeah. If you played in fourth edition, that's how the train works, so that's that you would be used to that. For players that are newer, a lot of players didn't play in fourth edition. That was quite a while ago. Um, that seems non-intuitive. It seems strange that the, a base around the building is also going to have the same rules. So in chat, how would you interpret that? And if you're listening, uh, leave a comment either on our YouTube or on the blog post associated with this over at frontlinegaming.org. Let us know what you do. How are you playing this right now? Now, if you don't count the base, the whole base is obscuring, 
how do you play the ruin itself? Now, the, the rule book says you can draw an imaginary line between the two points. And if you're within that, you now are inside the ruin. You can see through it and be seen using line of sight rules. Or do you play it as you have to go all the way up to the wall of the ruin? Um, so let's see in chat, a lot of people are saying, like Russ Returns says, ignore the base. Uh, Grey Knight 1711 says base doesn't count. Yeah, most all. people are saying the base does not count. So yeah, that's that's what I've encountered the most is that a lot of people are saying, oh, you don't count the base. What we've been doing is playing the base as area terrain. So if your unit's on the base, you still get the benefit of some of the keywords, but not obscuring. So let me see. Uh, the shadow straight down says Tobodachi Express. I'm assuming that that means you're playing the full thing. Colin says use the base. Uh, Josh uh, Maddox says bases don't count. Uh, yeah, it's just it's, it's, it's very place. it's very torn. So, um, but I think like in our games where we we are using the base as uh, the terrain rules, it hasn't been that big of an impact. It just creates weird situations where you're standing here, somebody's standing there, you can't see them, um, and then it's also funny. You're like, oh, I actually don't want to touch the base of the terrain because then I can be shot. <laughs> yeah, so, so it creates weird situations, but. It hasn't been that big of an issue, honestly. It's not that big of an issue, but um, I agree because once you get used to it, you just get used to it. But yeah. the thing I have noticed personally is if you uh, – and these buildings aren't cheap, right? Like these big GW ruins. They're beautiful. They're not you know, the most affordable option for terrain. If you have two of these in the middle of the table to be your line of sight blockers, the bigger base actually makes them worse. Yeah. Right? So as soon as you touch it, you can see through it. And you can be seen with normal line of sight. It doesn't, the thing doesn't become invisible. You still have to actually have line of sight. Yeah. So it actually makes it a detriment to have it on these large bases, whereas before it was a, a benefit. So if, you if this is the way you're playing, not everybody uses these uh, terrain pieces, but if you have something similar, they have windows and stuff like that in it. Um, the base, in terms of helping to block line of sight, makes it worse. Right. Uh, in a sense, right? It actually makes it better, but in some scenarios, it makes it worse. For blocking right? line of sight, it makes it worse. No, uh, it give, it blocks more line of sight with the base if you use the base. Until you touch it. If you touch it, then yeah. it creates a scenario where it blocks less. Yeah. <laughs> so it's an interesting conversation, yeah. and, and I've been having this debate with the other playtesters at, at length, and it's interesting to see how the different people in different areas have all done it themselves, how they're interpreting it. I think ultimately it needs to be uh, there needs to be at least some guidelines right like we recommend x because right now from what i gather and from from what i'm seeing in chat everyone's doing it differently i mean not literally everyone but there's there's groups of people that are playing different interpretations and the thing is if you go to an event and it's not very clear before you get there and you're used to playing it one way but your opponent is not, it's going to cause conflict. So um, I think it behooves us to try and come to consistent consensus on this. Are you supposed to discuss terrain with your opponent before you start the game? Of course. Like every other edition? Uh... Yeah, but uh, you know, sometimes it doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It comes into scenarios, but um, it is very interesting. Uh, I think drawing the imaginary line also creates like weird scenarios where you're like, Oh, well, no, I'm in it. Oh, but no, I'm not. And then your opponent's like, no, you're not. And then you're like, yeah, I am. And then it, it just gets weird with an imaginary line, in my opinion. The thing is, like, that's the way the, the rules have addressed that. That's been in the rules. It's in the rulebook now. Yeah. Like, if you took this exact same thing, you took it off the base, you would use the imaginary line. Yeah. And that's been the case for multiple editions. So it's not that weird, but it does leave room for ambiguity because you can argue about... Yeah. Where is the line? Exactly. Do you I, draw it from this point? Do you draw it from that point? Yeah. Like where do you draw? I no, I, I agree. It is it is confusing. But the thing is, if you played this and you bought it out of the box from Games Workshop and you put it together, that is exactly the way you would play it. Yep. Right? That's playing it raw. And even in the chat, looking at some of the, the fine people that have joined us, some people are saying raw is you don't count the base, raw is you do count the base, because they mm -hmm. don't show any pictures of buildings on bases, but they do describe it. They're like, oh, if your building is on a base treated as a part of the ruin. However, what if you have a building that's on a big giant base, right? Like it just, it gets- The whole table. It gets so, yeah, right? Like what if you have, what if the basics, like remember those buildings we made back in the day that had a sidewalk around them? Mm -hmm. So the base was like way bigger than the building on it. 
So now the sidewalk's blocking line of sight, you know, like. Well, I mean, this space is way bigger than the building too, but it is. Yeah, it's, and that's and why and I most spaces are. Although a lot of people are starting to use clear bases, which is kind of cool that just fit the footprint. But but even then, the, the, does the clear the, the clear base count? Right, like I, it needs more definition. Like again, I'm not I'm not trying to like poo poo on the terrain rules. They're dramatically better than they were last edition. However, there, there's there's some gaps that are appearing that we need to address. Yeah, and I think it, it really depends on tournaments too. Like, what is your terrain? Like, what are you using? If you're just using straight up GW buildings, then you don't have base problems, right? If you have all your stuff's on giant building or on uh, bases, then you will have to come up with a rule and you have to announce it before your event so that everybody knows what to expect when they come. Yeah, you want to put it in the pack. Yeah. And just don't forget, as a TO, uh, you have the ability to, you know, you can house rule the terrain to fit what you have. Right, because as a TO, the thing for me that, that gets frustrating, and I know it was shared by other TOs, is if you took all this time, energy, effort, money to make really nice looking terrain and the terrain rules keep changing, and then the terrain goes from being really good to not being that, that good, that's frustrating, right? So what's easier or what's more challenging? To completely change all your terrain or to, to just put in some house rules to make your terrain functional? What do you think? Uh, I mean, us personally, we've always house ruled terrain, so I don't think that's any normal than any other edition of 40k that we've ever played. We've always had special rules for our terrain that were different than what were in the book, and I think these not aren't aren't going to be like different rules. It's just we're going to have to define it more. Like, yeah, our bases do count for the terrain, and then you just apply whatever this ruin special rules are to that piece of uh, base. Yeah. So, so I think it's just, in my opinion, it's not any different than any of the other editions. I think the terrain rules now are a little easier to read, which is really nice, and uh, a lot more generic, which is great. Um, so I think a lot of people will be using those terrain rules. I just think you have to define what your terrain is. Yeah, and that's the key, right? You want to be clear in advance, right? If you're an organizer, if you're a store owner, uh, put together a quick little pack. You can even make it a PDF, put it online. Get the QR code. You want to get fancy. They can come up Ooh. and scan it on their phone, and it'll tell them how to interpret the, the stuff on that table, right? So there's solutions, but it's a conversation that needs to happen because as we start to move away from the, the dark days of COVID and people are playing more around the world, it's going to become an issue uh, because of the lack of, of clarity uh, or the perceived lack of clarity. So... Yeah. Uh, leave us a comment on YouTube on the uh, pod, the blog post associated with the podcast episode 700 Ooh. over at funlinegaming.org. Let us know what you think. Let us know how you play it, and let's start to getting this conversation going so that we can get it resolved. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and in the chat, TO should have a clear tournament pack for their event. 100%. Yeah. yeah. QR code. Thank you, Tomodachi Express. I always like it when people agree with me and say nice things. Yeah, we're going to make recreate that QR code for all of our tables at LBO. I had to ask my girlfriend how to do the QR code. I'm like, how does one make this work? I don't actually know. If you have an iPhone, it's really easy. If you well, don't, I was it's aiming not my flip good. phone at Ooh. it, and I'm like, work. Your corded phone? You're like, yeah, why is it not working? No. I was like trying to rub two sticks together. I didn't know what was going on there. Uh, so this is a conversation we'll continue to have. Please make sure to keep tuning in. Uh, like, subscribe, all that fun stuff. You guys know what to do, and gals. Um, this is a conversation I'm sure is going to take a little while to resolve. Yeah. In other news, Ooh. Frontline Gaming has been expanding what's available in their web card over at store.frontlinegaming.org. Just to give you all kind of an overview in case you missed it, not everybody's checking the web card all the time, so it's easy to miss. Why wouldn't they be checking the web card all the time? Yeah. yeah what's wrong uh, with all of you, huh? Yeah, indeed. Huh? Uh, so if you wanted to pick up some other stuff besides Games Workshop product, which we're known for carrying, and obviously FLG mats, ITC terrain, we are carrying almost the entire range of Army Painter, uh, all with discounted prices. There's some really, really cool stuff, some great basic materials. The color primers are really popular. I use them for all my armies. Uh, we have almost the entire paint range, brushes, all that cool stuff. We also got some new board games, including yeah. Gloomhaven and the latest expansion, Jaws of the Lion. We also have uh, Betrayal at House on the Hill, which is Mariana's favorite board game, Catan. And we've got the uh, all the Dark Souls games on the way. Those will be available soon. Ooh. Last but not least, we picked up the Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay <laughs> line. My favorite. It is fun. Uh, you could be 
I love the old, the funky stuff. Like when you roll up your background, you're like, I'm a rat catcher. Yeah. It's amazing. That's like a game built for Hunter. Yeah. Hunter's one of uh, the employees at Frontline Gaming is yes. rather eccentric uh, in a loving, in an awesome way. Uh, but Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay is famous for being an incredibly brutal uh, role-playing game. It's set in the old world. A lot of fun. And if you want to pick this up, you can do so. Uh, we're trying to expand what we're offering and doing stuff that's fun and related to um, uh, other tabletop games that we enjoy. So check those out. All right, Francis, it's time. Dun, dun, dun. Episode 7. Hundred of signals from the front line. So every now and then we like to kind of do a stroll down memory lane and talk about where we where we came from with the podcast and the video cast and just frontline gaming in general. Um, you know what the decisions we made along the way and how it got uh, us to be where we are now. Uh, Humble brag: the Frontline Gaming Podcast Network. Check out the other podcasts on it: Art of War, Chapter Tactics, Stat Center, Art of War Down Under. 40K Today, some other really talented individuals. Uh, we are the fourth most popular gaming podcast in North America, according to iTunes. Woo! So that's quite an accomplishment, an accomplishment we're very proud of. Yeah. And I know there's a lot of people out there that are taught, that would kind of curious about doing a podcast or um, they're, they're thinking about doing a YouTube channel and all that kind of stuff. So we figured we'd share kind of some of the things we've done to get here as it is episode 700, quite the milestone. And uh, kind of answer some questions along the way. It's always fun to do. Yeah. Yeah. We've, if you've listened to this podcast for an extended period of time, you've probably heard some of these stories before. Uh, we do it usually on our anniversary or on a hundredth, uh, multiple of a hundredth episode. So without further ado, uh, Signals from the Frontline started way back in 2011. <laughs> and it was, was when we started Frontline Gaming. Frontline Gaming came about as a result of Frankie, myself, our friends Luis and Will, we all started uh, the um, BAO. Yeah. And the Bay Area Open was the first large competitive uh, 40K and World Games Workshop event in Northern California. And back then, there were some other really cool events like uh, the Great the, the Grand Wall. The Grand Wall. Or no, not the Grand. It was, yeah, no, I think it was, it was the Grand Wall. The Grand Wall, yeah. And they ran this super cool event. It was on an aircraft carrier. We always went. Yeah. But there wasn't any really competitive events. And so we decided as friends to come together to run an event, um, this was right at the same year that Nova, or it was right after Nova opened, and um, and I, we had just gone to Adepticon, and it was sort of like opening, that was when the independent tournament scene was first becoming really, like, blossoming, so to speak. So we were kind of inspired and decided to throw a hat in the ring. We did the BAO. It was a big success. Um, Frankie and I were a part of another startup that failed right around the same time, and both of us were kind of didn't really have a lot of um didn't really know where we were kind of going life was in a transitional phase and we decided to start a game store yeah so we started frontline gaming with barely any money even less knowledge of what we were doing and a little 450 square foot uh, store that was in a tiny town called martinez california and now with the experience that we have if someone came to me and said they were going to do this as their profession i would say don't don't, don't do, do it, it. <laughs> because the odds were incredibly against us. We only had 16 grand total to start a gaming store, which is absurd. It costs more than that to pick up the 40K line from yeah. uh, Games Workshop. So against the odds, we are just dumb luck and determination. We managed to not go out of business right away. Um, and that was because... Uh, I had moved into uh, the Salty Banana Jason's living room. I was living on his couch. And Frankie was uh, living with his parents and working two jobs. You would go to work at like 4 in the morning? Yeah, I go to work at 4, get home, take like an hour break, and then come in for like another Six, eight shift. hours. Yeah. So he would work from like 4 a.m. to 7, 6, 6 p.m. I can't remember how late we yeah. opened, but yeah. So it was ridiculous. And then Frankie didn't take a paycheck for two years, right? And yeah. I was living on like the absolute bare minimum. I was eating beans and rice and living in, in the Salty day, Bananas yeah. living room, which back then, Ooh. he was quite the character. He was. He was a different man. We'll, we'll save those later, those stories for Frontline Gaming After Dark. Uh, but we, um, you know, through luck and determination, managed to not go out of business despite not knowing what we were doing. But early on, one of the things we wanted to do was start a podcast because we thought, hey, we like podcasts. There weren't that many 40K podcasts back then. 
And uh, we thought, hey, this could be a great way to reach customers, and we just like talking about Games Workshop games. Yeah. So we we started the podcast with a $10 microphone from uh, Fry's and your laptop, which was nothing fancy. And we were sitting on wooden stools in our little shop while it was open for business. So like customers would be coming in. Famously, there was a bus that stopped right (laughs) in front of the shop. Every time. And it was super loud. So you could always hear it in the background. Yeah. You know, we were in a a really low income part of town. That's the only way we could afford the rent. And there was crazy people who would sometimes walk in and start talking about how they had just had a conversation with the Pope. Yeah. And sometimes that was on air. It was great. Yeah. And uh, that was how we that was how we started. So if you are considering getting going in, in podcasting or, or uh, maybe with a YouTube channel, don't feel like you have to have the best equipment to get going. You don't. Right. You, you really want to have as a passion for it and you want to have um, a commitment to seeing it through, right? Like the, the biggest thing is to be consistent, right? Yeah. Like you don't want to put out two podcasts, not have a lot of downloads and then, uh, and then give up on it, right? So we didn't know what we were doing. And originally we did a, a 15 minute podcast twice a week. Yep, it was two times a week. Yep, and we were really short and we didn't know what we were doing. There was lots of inappropriate jokes and s- silly stuff. We hated Grey Knights back then. Not yet. We have evolved into hating town now. So. <laughs> we didn't hate Grey Knights yet. Um, that was later on in 5th yeah. edition. Uh, so then we started doing it twice a week, and it started to get longer and longer. Because originally we were like, oh, our niche is going to be a short podcast. We talk about the news, tell a couple jokes, and move on. That's kind of what 40K Today is doing now, but much better <laughs> than we ever did it. Yeah. And then it started getting longer, so then we shifted to once a week. And... Uh, it started to gain more and more structure, and then we started. To, yeah, it got up to the point where it was almost like an hour and a half. Um, for a little bit, I little think bit. it was a little longer. Yeah, and then as the time went by and it started to grow, uh, we started experimenting with different. Um, oh my god! We started experimenting with different uh, options. Yeah. Holy Kamani! Is that Kamani in the chat? Oh my god, Kamani is from Martinez. <laughs> he used to come into our store all the time. This is great. So Kamani is a good friend of ours that would come into the original store, and he's telling some uh, funny stories, including how Frankie is an unsexy dude. <laughs> Appreciate it, always. Um, Chris Carlos, what's up, man? That's another of our friends that hung out in the original store. How you doing, buddy? It's good to see you. Yeah. Uh, good, to, good to hear from you. And uh, that was one of the that was the magic of the old original frontline gaming store because there was nothing nice about it. No, it was <laughs> it tiny, was... hot. We somehow fit two game tables in there and a hobby table and a hobby table. Yeah, and Frankie's desk was the hobby table. That's right. Right, and <laughs> my my desk was like three feet from the bathroom door, so that was fun. Yeah, when the door opened, it would hit Reese's chair. Yeah, <laughs> it was great. Yeah, it was wild, and uh, and you know we made it work yeah. with. Uh, with nothing really and again like if you're out there and you, you want to get into this don't feel like you have to have unlimited resources to get started you definitely want to think it through yes because we've seen people invest a hundred grand into getting a game store going and, and fail within a year so um and you honestly have to approach it differently than we did this was yeah. what nine years ago now yeah. <laughs> so yeah it was a different time right? yeah it's, it's it's not like that now yeah so uh, that was the beginning, and then Frontline Gaming was just kind of getting going, and we really made our, our impact with the podcast because we focused on competitive play. There wasn't really anything out there at the time. Back then, it was like uh, uh, well, 40K, the 40K podcast, the original one. Uh, 40K Radio. 40K Radio. And then uh, Independent Characters. Yep. And I think there were like maybe two others. There, right. there really weren't that many podcasts back then. Right. And, and the other then, ones oh, were... Oh, Blake and Ed, too. Yeah, and then like 40K yeah. Radio was kind of like a general cast, and the independent characters is very much yeah. lore-oriented, fluff-oriented. They're still going. They have a great cast. They're, really, they're great guys. Uh, and they're, they've been going longer than us. Yeah. By about a year, I think. This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends you new cartridges, so you never have to think about ink. Save up to 50%. You'll pay less than $5 a month for ink and never run out again. 
Find out if your printer is eligible and enroll today at hpinstantink.com. Conditions apply. For details, visit hp.com slash instantinkspotify. And uh, we did that, and then we focused also on um, competitive 40K video battle reports. Again, today you're spoiled, and there's people that are doing, like, TV-level <laughs> stuff, like um, our partners over at um, uh, Play on Tabletop with 40K in 40 Minutes. I think they have some of the best stuff, if not the best stuff out there. Uh, Tabletop Titans does amazing, high-quality, competitive uh, work. And then, you know, you've got uh, Ace Face. you got... Yeah. Um, Lawrence over in the UK putting out some amazing stuff. Now the content, or uh, Steven with Vanguard Tactics, they're putting yeah. out some amazing quality stuff. And that's why we stopped doing the video battle reports because as time went on and the competition got better and they were focused on that and we were trying to run a business. And with the amount of time it takes to make a good video battle reports, a minimum of, of 16, 20 hours. And the play on tabletop guys, they're putting in uh, you know, 100 hours for one video. For us, it just didn't it didn't make didn't make sense. Yeah, and that's why we stepped away from it. And now we're just trying to sponsor and support other channels so that they keep keep going. Uh, Tim Ayers in chat, what's up, man? That's another friend of ours from the OG times. Yeah. So yeah, then th- things came per- kept progressing. Uh, eventually, we outgrew that store. It took three years, four years. We were there for three. Yeah, Jason was there for an extra year. Yeah, and we eventually uh, decided to. Uh, moved to a bigger store, moved to San Diego, California. We were downtown. That was when we started doing the live streaming. And that was, again, that was the Wild West. No one was really streaming back then. Tabletop, we were one of the first. And trying to figure it out as we went. And again, um, there's all kinds of challenges that go along with that. Uh, trying to, to film something that's as abstract as a game of, of 40K is really challenging. Yeah. That's when we brought Mariana onto the team. Yep, Ron, Mariana, Jeff helped out a ton. Jeff, all yeah. of his connections and everything. So yeah, Jeff, Jeff was the one that can, and we're talking, of course, to the late great in control. Uh, he was the one that convinced us to do it. Yeah, you know, he was like, "Streaming's the future. You guys got to get in on it." And uh, we did. We jumped in, and it was it was a wild adventure, and it was a lot of fun. And now we still stream the show, but we were streaming games as often as daily at one point. Yeah, we were streaming a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and it was a lot of fun, and everybody that joined in and kind of helped like get the ball rolling on that. It was exciting, but again, we, we came to the, the the point where we realized it was it was too much work for what we were getting from it, um, and we decided to like kind of let it step back. And uh, I think we helped open the door a little bit to let other people come in. And now there's people that are doing an amazing job of it. Yep. Uh, Tabletop Titans again, they're doing an amazing job of streaming. Um, uh, Nick Nonavati and his crew with the Art of War, or, um, yeah, the Art of War, they're doing some streams that are great. They're very informative. So it's cool to see it, it, it continuing on and, and growing, even if we're not actively doing it anymore. Yeah. And in the chat, Holly2380, uh, Alex is reminding us of the pipe banger. God, that was so funny. So we would be live streaming uh, in our downtown location, and the building next to us was being renovated. And without fail, every time we started streaming, there was some guy that we nicknamed Simple Simon that his job was literally to like bang on a pipe with a hammer. That's what it sounded like. And you, there was nothing we could do to drown out the noise. Like it was just ding, ding, ding in the background. It was awful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was every time. It was just like Martinez on the bus would pass by. It'd yeah. Be every single episode. We're just like, okay. Yeah. And we would record at different times. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't even be at the same time. We tried to so, dodge yeah. them and then it would just start and you're like, no. Yeah. I can't escape this. Yeah. Oh, it was fun. Uh, and from there, we eventually uh, moved out of our downtown location to another location in a town called Point Loma, which is in uh, San Diego County. And uh, had a much, that was the first time we had a really big space that was actually like a, a real commercial space. And that was in year five or six. Yeah. I think it was five. Um, and that opened up a lot of doors for us. We were able to have like a real studio. That was when we started doing what I consider to be high quality streaming. And we were doing really, really high quality uh, battle reports too. We did the short form uh, where we kind of recap the turn as you can see it behind us with the green screen. That's all Mariana with her uh, education was able to do that. And for whatever reason, we just couldn't make it click. You know, we weren't getting the views we wanted to justify it. And we decided to take a step back from it. But interestingly, the, uh, the play on tabletop guys 
um, came into the shop and they're like, hey, are you not going to do the short form battle reports anymore? And we said, no, nah, it's it's not not working out for us. And they were like, oh, because we want to do it. And we're like, hey, go for it. And now they've taken that idea, not to say that they wouldn't have done it without us, but they, they said that we at least partially inspired them. Yeah. And they've, they've taken it and they've, they've made it amazing. Right. So definitely go check them out. Like it's, it's like seriously like TV quality. Yeah. Right? They do, they do great stuff. So, yeah. And it's like, you know, that, that's part of the whole process is that you got to be constantly experimenting. Like we've gone three times a week podcast, one week, uh, 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 one time a week podcast. And we've tried all this different stuff. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't work. And it's when it doesn't, no big deal. Yeah. Right? Let's try, try again. Yeah, exactly. Like at one point we had an Art of War podcast. I'm sorry, uh, Age of Sigmar <laughs> podcast. Of War podcast. And we did that for a while, and then the people that were a part of it, kind of like the, the creative force driving it, had their life took them in different direction. So we had to stop, maybe not indefinitely, but um, you know that's just the way it goes. It's an evolution. It's a constantly changing process. And then here we are on episode 700. And now we're streaming on multiple platforms. We're seeing how this is going to work. So fancy. We're so fancy. I guess that's pretty fancy. You joke, but I'm feeling quite fancy right now. You should with that uh, mustache. <laughs> Extra fancy. So it's it's one of those things that if you're 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 going to jump in, um, the best advice that I have to give is to to bring the passion, not worry too much about all the technical stuff because it's going to take time to figure it out. Look for a niche, a niche that you think could fit you like for us the niche was competitive play that's no longer a niche anymore if you're going to do that you have to compete with the best in the game maybe come out with a 40k comedy podcast you know find a way to differentiate yourself from the crowd jump in and then don't be afraid to experiment you know uh try different formats try doing it live try not doing it live maybe have a phone and let people call in and just you know that could get wild yeah also probably maybe very inappropriate but who knows? It might be hilarious, right? Like there might be something cool you can do to contribute to the community to get involved with the content creation that's something fun and exciting. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's all sorts of options, right? And you don't have to do something different. You can do the same thing that everybody else is doing. Um, just do it better or do what you can and just put it out there. If you want to do a podcast, go do it. Just yeah. Do it. Don't be intimidated. Yeah. You know, even though there's a lot of them out there, uh, there's always room for more. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it, again, it's, it's, it's a meritocracy. If you do a good job, make good content, uh, you're going to rise up. It might just take time. Yep. Uh, Texas BBQ 12 says, I remember the live stream game where Frankie played double or triple storm surge and beat Reese so bad that it was really funny. It was the most one-sided battle he's ever seen. Thanks. That's almost every game I play against Reese. Now I'm going to go off screen and cry. And you've uh, <laughs> just activated my PTSD. <laughs> that was where the Tau conspiracy began. That was it. Sorry, Tau plays. I ruined it for everybody. Corey Schultz has a technical question. What software do you use to edit your videos? Uh, Marinara Meatball. Premiere DaVinci Resolve. Premiere is Premiere is a software program that you can get, or DaVinci Resolve, which hey. DaVinci Resolve is free. I'm the talent. I'm the talent here. All right. I don't have time to understand. Talent's a strong word, Reese. <laughs> I'm the least terrible person here. Uh, the um, and there you go. Hopefully that answers your question. And then, uh, as I know, people ask us all the time, what kind of cameras do we use? We use Blackmagic cameras. They're an awesome company. They make the most affordable high-end cameras on the market. Check them out. They're really good. We also use them for our streaming um, uh, hardware. Really, really high quality stuff. Yep. So that's a good one. And if you have questions about uh, technical stuff, leave a comment either on YouTube or on the, the podcast, uh, the blog post for the podcast, and we'll make sure to answer as many of them as we can. A podcast about Sun Tzu's Art of War. I'd watch it. It says Ultimate Tara. Excellent. You You're welcome, Corey Schultz. Uh, in the, in the uh, chat, uh, other people are confirming that they also use DaVinci Resolve. Sweet. Excellent. All right, so uh, from there, here we are now in uh, Nevada. Moved the company. In the hot box. It's not as hot now. It's a cool 100 degrees, which is <laughs> like I put on pants. I know. I put on a sweater this morning. Was, yeah. Geez. It's funny how, how much you adapt to it. And uh, from San Diego, we decided operating business in California was a little too expensive. Uh, we felt like we were working too hard to not 
uh, keep enough of uh, the fruits of our labor. I know a lot of other businesses in California have felt the same way and left, and we're not trying to put California down. It's a wonderful place to live. It's just for um, a medium to small business owner, it's, it's really, it's probably the most challenging place to operate in the country. Yep. Uh, yeah. We moved uh, last year, moved out to Boulder, and uh, Boulder City, Nevada, and it's been a wonderful change for everybody. All the employees are keeping more of their paycheck. There's no uh, state income tax here, which coming from California is a huge change because <laughs> yeah. they have the highest state income tax in the country. And, uh, you know, people have come here. We're, it's a little hot in, in the summer, a little cold in the winter. You can not you, you can never beat San Diego weather. That's, that's impossible to upgrade from there. But um, it's been really good choice for the business. It's allowed us to hire new people get debt free as individuals. People can actually afford to buy a house out here. And of course, now we have a bigger studio for the podcast. It's a little warmer. That's okay. Yeah, and- it was a good move. Like we said, it's just, it's a lot of times with our company, it's been timing and like, we've been very lucky. And this was one of those times because right when we moved here, COVID happened and We've uh, we don't think we would have actually made it if we had stayed in California. So it's it's and in our business, most of the time it's like a timing thing. And moving to San Diego was like the right time to do it. And upgrading to a bigger shop, doing the LVO at the time that we did, it's like it's all been about timing and just like a little good luck. So um, keep that in mind, no matter what kind of business venture you go into. Uh, you do need a little luck on your side. <laughs> yeah, a lot of it is luck. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's just the way it is, right? In, in all things in life. Yeah. In the previous business venture that Frankie and I were a part of that failed, it was 100% bad luck. It was something we had zero control over. Even though we had a team of highly motivated, hardworking, smart people, it was like a deus ex machina scenario. And there went all of our money and time and energy and effort. Like, that's just... The thing is, when that does happen, because Frontline Gaming is my fifth uh, business, two failed, three succeeded, two were non-scalable. This is the first time it, it's worked. It takes the average entrepreneur five shots to get it right. That's the normal number. So if you do try and fail, don't lose heart. Try to just think about it like, okay, what did I do right? What did I do wrong? What could I have done better? And give it another shot or not, or just uh, enjoy it for the experience that it was. Yeah. And to everybody that has supported us during COVID, we can't thank you enough. We, we really For didn't sure. know if we were going to make it at first. Um, and then uh, bizarrely, as with a lot of businesses, uh, online sales went way up. And um, that caused its own set of issues. Uh, GW couldn't keep up. It caused delays and all kinds of stuff. And for everybody that's kind of hung in there with us through this whole roller coaster of 2020, uh, thank you. Yeah. And, uh, and I know everyone else is going through their own roller coaster in 2020. Of course. Uh, Captain Caillou brings up a funny story in the chat. Uh, guys, you're forgetting the most uh, OG thing of all, back when the YouTube channel was called Team Zero Comp. So that's a funny story unto itself. We started a YouTube channel before there was a Frontline Gaming, and our, our 40K team is called Team Zero Comp. So we made this video, and it was us with a handy cam, like a $200 handy cam, playing games in our buddy Will's garage, just making fun of each other. The lighting was terrible. The jokes were crude. It was ridiculous. And that was how that was how it began, and we just did it because it was funny, and then no one was doing competitive battle reports. Yeah, and that I think was we did those went. before BAO even. Oh yeah, no, yeah. it was during it was we did the first one while we were making terrain for BAO. Yeah, I remember that because we were making fun of Green, our buddy Green, because on the last turn he flew all of his wave surfants off the objectives to lose the game when he had it won. Champion. And it's just us laughing at him for like ten minutes. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so, you know, here we are um, after nine years, a lot of adventures, a lot of ups and downs, a lot of learning, um, seeing other people do it better, feeling like we still do it better in some ways, still enjoying it, still telling really stupid jokes. And it's been quite the experience. So thank you for joining us for 700 episodes. Can't wait to see what the future holds. Maybe you know, on the year, uh, on the episode 1400, we'll be doing this as a hologram. Ooh, I don't know. In your house. I don't know. Sitting on your couch next to you. Yeah, interrupting your day. I don't know. Who knows what's going to happen? But it's been a lot of fun. 700 episodes. I didn't think we would ever get this far when we started. So thank you for listening. And again, we wouldn't be able to do any of this without you guys. So thank all of you, our loyal listeners and friends. (laughs) Indeed. And most of you are our actual friends in real life at this point. (laughs) Exactly. It's a small community. So that was a little bit all over the place, but it's kind of hard to cover nine years and, you know, 20 minutes. 
if you have any other questions, just leave it in the uh, in the comments, and we'll jump in and make sure to respond to those um, about any you know funny stories or things that we did right or did wrong that maybe we didn't cover. Um, we'd be happy to answer those. And then never mind, Jumbo says mustache will be fourteen hundred times the size on the fourteen hundred episode. Ooh, just gets like, longer and longer <laughs> out to like, the side. Chris Carlos says, long live Frontline. Thank you so much. Thanks, buddy. Homer Simps, also, thank you so much. All right, let's take a look at the ITC standings. Now, again, caveat, Emptor. We are covering the results because people are starting to play around the world. Be safe. Your points aren't worth yours or somebody else's health. Nope. So if you are going to go to an event, make sure they're following health and safety guidelines. And let's go ahead and take a look. 40K ITC current top five competitive track. Ken Knox moves into first First place, displacing Vic VJ, who got a big jump. He's a UK player. Got a big jump in the early season before uh, lockdown locked us down. And so we've gotten some movement. Not bad. Ryan Snyder is in third. James Killing in fourth. Dan, I hate the missions in ninth edition. Salmons. <laughs> Champion. In fifth, or in, uh, currently in fifth place. Was only five, uh, yeah, only with only five, five scores. scores. Yep. So he's in position to jump into first place quite easily. Uh, hobby track top five for 40k we have john smith the most original name ever in first place colton hatch bumps down into second scott bush or boucher in third james weston in fourth and richard the man congratulations rich all of his kids are down married yep well done that must be check exciting. that box uh richard kilton in fifth age of sigmar current top five we have matt beasley continuing to lead the pack followed by william so Holly, I hope I said that correctly. Got it. That was he, good. No, I did no, my you, best. No, I think you got I, it. Yeah. I think I did. Okay, yeah. good. Thanks. Uh, Jared Zizueta moves down into third place. Michael Vaganos into fourth. And Hannah Eastham moves into fifth. Your current Warhammer Underworlds top five. Ivan Cho continues to lead the pack. They might as well call it the Ivan Cho position because he's there <laughs> every year. Uh, yep. Glenn Dean moves into second. Jonathan Colson bumps down into third. Cody Handler moves into fourth, and Michael Melody into fifth. It's quite the name. That's a that's a that's a very rhythmic, soothing sounding name. Melody. Michael Melody. Oh jeez. No. Hit the hit the sounds. <laughs> Mariana, get it. I, I I was blessed with many talents. Singing is press the button. Assuredly not one of many them. talents. Huh? Yeah. Bold, like bold statement. Like growing a mustache. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, kill team top five. All right, this is going to be a challenging one. I'm going to do my best. Rudy Pertutatinen. <laughs> we got it. Did I? I hope so. I Rudy, think so. Rudy, I hope I said your name right. I apologize if you I didn't. The next one is good, too. All right, second place, Angel Alvarez Serrano. Got it. Third place, Manuel Malguizo. Fourth, John Sal. Fifth, Janice Gilham. I think we forgot to talk about when I used to read the names. Oh, that was... For that. <laughs> How could we forget, though, when we used to have Frankie read the show notes? Oh, those are great times. How did we forget that? I don't know. Frankie's... It's one of those things you just kind of block it from your memory. You're like, oh, no. Oh, good times. I, I, we did it because I tend to talk a lot, obviously. And yeah. then we were like, oh, let's have Frankie read the show notes because that way you get some more um, talking time. Frankie was also blessed with many talents, and reading out loud <laughs> is definitely not, not a strong one. <laughs> if you go back and read some oh, of those old gosh. ones, oh my god, or listen to some of those old ones, it's very good. So funny. Jared Suzetto, Suzette. You're like that's 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 James. You're like oh no, the best one of all time. I put in the show notes. Happy birthday to Leonard Nimoy, who played Spock. In Star Trek, every nerd worth his salt should know this. And on live, <laughs> Frankie is like, Happy birthday, Leonard Nimoy. He's <laughs> like, what? I was like, yep, sticking with it. <laughs> I was like, what did you just say? He's like, yeah, old Leonard Nimoy. I think I've heard of that guy. I was like, what? Oh my gosh! That's and then that was almost as good as the first time Mariana tried to edit a video battle report, and she did it on her own. And she was still a student at the time, so she was a little intimidated. Like she didn't want to seem like she didn't know what was going on, so she winged it on one of the the parts of the the video. And she had heard us. We were playing a guard versus something, and she kept hearing us talking about a Lehman Russ. And obviously, that's a weird made up name. Yeah. So she tried to like wing it and like do like this cool thing where the tank flies on screen and there's like lights behind it so 
instead of asking, she just kind of went with what she thought. So she's like, check this out. And she showed it to us, like, she's all proud. <laughs> and then on the screen, it's like this explosion, like the mighty lemon rust. And on the screen is a chimera backwards with a lemon rust turret onto it. And I was, I just, I, like, peed, my, I peed my pants. You're like, you got it. You got it. I was like, I've never heard of a lemon rust, but now I want one. <laughs> Sold it. It was assembled. The tur turret fell off, and you put the wrong turret on the wrong model, and then and then put it backwards. That was really funny. That's one of those ones where you're just like, who, who are we working good. with here? I like it. So I guess the moral of the story is you can't be less ridiculous than us, no. and we've managed to be moderately successful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just gotta have a good time, laugh and cry and hopefully have a lot of friends <laughs> yeah, try and enjoy it yeah you know that's that's ultimately you're doing it to have fun you're probably not going to get rich uh working in a small market like this trying to produce content so do it because you like it first and foremost and if you manage to monetize it somehow good for you that's great it'll keep you in the game but uh putting the quality of the content and your passion into it first I think that's important. the best the best recipe for success. We've never put the quality in, but we've definitely put in the content. We try. <laughs> we try our humble best. Our old battle reports are so funny. Oh, they are. They're terrible. Uh, but they're fun. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us for Singles from the Frontline, episode 700. Ding, 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 ding. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed it. Sound effects. Brought oh. to you by Reese Robbins. Hey, man. That's why I got the stash. All right. <laughs> They give it to you at sound making school. If you gave me a Stash. soundboard, I wouldn't even know what to do. I'd be like, uh, when you make the sound, Reese, you'll we'll record you making the sounds and put them on the buttons. I just hit like, the fart noise. Reese making <laughs> every time. <laughs> that's just a normal thing to have. Even at thirty nine years old, that still is what amuses. Fart me. jokes are great. Yeah, I heard a great one. It was like people that don't laugh at farts are ridiculous because they get less laughs and the same amount of farts. <laughs> <laughs> That's I was great. like, that's brilliant. Super good. Uh, all right. We'll answer a couple of questions here before we wrap it up. And thank you all for joining us for this one. Uh, Red Monkus says, Lemon, Ru Lemon Rust sounds like a grunge band. That's, that's actually It might good. be a grunge yeah. band, actually. Uh, Texas Barbecue says, do you guys think the general 40K tournament recognized just how much ITC support did for the hobby in general? And perhaps would it be without someone else stepping in? Um, yeah, that, that's a conversation for an entire another show. But that whole the whole journey of the ITC is it's a pretty obviously you know we're biased, but it's a pretty interesting <laughs> story. Yeah. Um, and that that could be several podcasts talking about the whole evolution of the ITC and um, how that came about, where it's at, where it's going. Uh, but yeah, it, it it sounds silly coming from us, but I think it did a lot to keep competitive play going when there was zero support, zero FAQs. Nobody knew what to do. The game was hyper complicated. Um, I think it was, it made a big difference. And that's why we became playtesters. Uh, GW recognized and reached out to us for the contribution that we made among others, uh, other people who had made big contributions. So yeah, that was a big, big part of this whole journey that we've had. And it started out us just wanting to be able to have a cool ranking system so that people in our local area could compare themselves to each other and then it turned into this global thing. And yeah. it's been a wonderful ride. It's been challenging, but it's been really fun. And I think more than anything, it's brought the community together, right? Like, I think uh, you, people have created friends, people have like competed against other players. Like, I think it's just created a really cool community that we're all part of now, which is great. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, it was a wild ride, it still is. And, and the one thing I will say is that the future of competitive 40k is brighter than it's ever been it's going to get bigger and better and more awesome yeah. and we're really excited and flattered and honored to have been a part of the whole uh, the whole journey yeah. uh, <laughs> daniel alstrom says reminds me of my old conversion back in third ed red old one eye red terror and old one eye converted into one model that sounds brilliant perfect Red old one, huh? <laughs> Phil Kelly rubbed my belly says, or asks, are you pleased with where the company and the game is right now and all of your contributions? Yeah, I'm really proud of what we've built considering we started with a couple of yahoos that didn't know what they were doing and only $16,000, which is a lot of money, right? I'm not trying to say that's not a lot of money. Most people don't have that much money in the bank, including me, me right now. <laughs> um, but 
that in regards yeah. to starting a retail business, that's a laughably tiny amount of money. And yeah. to where we are now with um, double digit employees now and um, you know, a business that's takes up five units in an in industrial park and uh, having built um, a, a, an organization that has five figure attendance from people all around the world to have traveled around the world um, made some money <laughs> and, and, and to provide a community and a lifestyle for people that are, because everyone that works here is an avid gamer and to be able to have this and work, come to work every day with people that we like doing something that we like and still able to pay the bills. It's a really, really good feeling. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely happy where, uh, where we are at currently from where we started. We still have a long ways to go. Um, continuing, we're like, always trying to get better at certain things, trying to get certain processes in place, all that. So we still have a lot of growth that we uh, need to do and are going to do, but I am happy from where we came from. Um, and like we said, like throwing the events, uh, creating this awesome community, um, getting to know friends from all over the world. It's, it's been amazing and being able to survive at the same time has been great. So, yeah, there's been times when we didn't know if we were going to make it, you know, just to grim determination we're still here yeah as for uh, where the game is at i think i think ninth edition is an improvement on eighth edition um the general consensus is very positive i uh, there's a lot of things i love about it i love the fact that they're trying to make the game faster a three four hour game is just not sustainable um i really like the uh, the changes to make the game uh, more about movement controlling the board um there's a couple things i'm not i don't love but I've never, there's never been an addition to the game where I loved it all. There's always been things I've complained about, like every gamer. Uh, but generally speaking, I think that the game is in a position to be, for our goals for competitive play, it's, it's, it's better than it's ever been. And then also with the emergence of crusade rules, I think it's better than it's ever been for the casual gamer as well, because there's more structure and organization. There's a couple things I'd like to see change, but um, on the whole, like holistically, uh, ninth edition, I think, is a wonder, is a, a fantastic addition to the game. What about you? Yeah, I agree. I think uh, the game's in a great place. The community's grown a lot. You're seeing it, especially with GW, where they're selling out of a lot of their SKUs. So popular. Um, their videos they're doing is just going to grow the community more. So I think the game is just going to get better and better as well. Um, of course, like we said, there's things that I don't like about it, but that goes without saying. It's any other edition, and I don't think the game will ever be perfect. Um, it'll probably always, it, it's never going to be chess. There's too many variables. It's, there's always going to be things that don't work and some things that do work. So, um, I still love the game. It's great to play. I can't wait to go to events again, hopefully, um, in the future, but, uh, yeah, I think ninth is great. So yeah, we're gonna have a game day this weekend and I've been having fun just trying to make some of my armies work like Tyranids and, and guard and stuff like that. Like it's just been, it's always fun to try and solve the puzzle. Yeah. Right. Like that's that's where the joy comes. Uh, 40k Punk says, "Do we think Codex Creep is going to be bad in the months ahead?" I don't. Codex Creep is never in. Like it's a it's a perception thing. It's never intentional. Sometimes it's real, like the Space Marine Codex. I, no one's going to argue that that didn't blow everybody off the table because it did. But a lot of times, a Codex Creep is a perception based on something's new and shiny, and you're not used to it. And I'm I was victim of. I was so guilty of this. I was like, oh, it's too, it's broken. And I do all that stuff when something new comes out. And then after a month or so, you get used to it and you don't really think it's that crazy anymore. Um, but now specifically because there's going to be codexes written for ninth, everybody else is using codexes written for eighth, there may be some very real differences until everybody gets their book. Hopefully when everybody has their book, it's a level playing field. And, um, but, you know, we'll have to wait and see. But the thing to bear in mind is that the game is and has been since 8th edition actually very objectively balanced. There are outliers, right? There are outliers at the low end and the high end, but taken as a whole, head on over to 40kstats.com. You can look at the data yourself. The game is plus or minus like 5-6%, generally speaking, right? It's like the, the average worst army is only 10% less uh, effective than the average best army. Now, again, there were outliers that blew the curve but it was a relatively small number yeah um texas barbecue asked uh they were talking about the future we have some goals yeah we're always thinking forward and like what would we like to do imagining like cool stuff we could do um in the near term um 
when COVID hit, everything slowed down and then a month later, everything exploded, right? For a lot of online businesses and for a lot of our uh, compatriots that aren't, um, that were just running a, a service industry business, uh, um, brick and mortar, we really feel for you because it's been an extraordinarily challenging year. Um, we've had to uh, buy new manufacturing equipment and hire new people because we weren't able to keep up with everything. Caused some delays for those of you that that happened. Uh, sincerely sorry, but it was just, there's nothing we, we couldn't predict that that was going to happen. Yeah. It was just, it was crazy. Last six months have been nuts. Um, so for us, yeah, we've been uh, expanding operations, hiring new people, buying new manufacturing equipment. We have some new products we want to make in the near term. That's what we're working on right now. Uh, always trying to expand and do more cool content. Uh, if you're a 40K or Age of Sigmar or D&D content creator, board game reviewer, and you'd like to get started working with us or work with us, uh, reach out to me at contact at frontlinegaming.org. And we're always taking new content creation. Um, trying to expand there. We've uh, uh, signed on uh, new events. We're gonna be doing six events, hopefully. <laughs> six events next year. We wanna do even more in 2022. Uh, we're gonna have the, the mainstays, the BAO, the LVO, the SoCal Open. We're also gonna have the Las Vegas Team Championship, the New Orleans uh, Open and the Atlantic City Open. We've already signed contracts there. So, you know, hopefully with COVID behind us at that time, all those events are gonna happen, so we're expanding there. And uh, we've always got a million ideas for stuff we wanna do. We wanna see competitive 40K, Age of Sigmar be as big and as amazing as it can be. Um, and we're work we have a bunch of things we're working on in the background to make that happen. So that all of you that have dedicated time and energy to, to mastering these games can be put on the biggest stage possible to display your skill. Yeah. and to make it just fun and exciting yeah yeah like we said we have a lot of what is it irons in the fire is that what it yeah. is hands in the fire irons i think it's irons so uh, a lot of things we're working on of course we want to uh, get those shipping times down which i'm sure a lot of you have realized um we've hired like we said more staff uh, get our customer service more online to where they're answering a lot faster um, and just be a better experience for everybody that uh wants to buy things from us so <laughs> yeah i mean that's yeah. the that's, for the last couple of months that's what we've been focused on we even brought in a consultant to help us get everything streamlined as much as possible and now all new orders are shipping within one to two days yeah and then we're, we're crushing the backlog anybody's waiting on IC, itc terrain that's all going to be out by the end of the week uh for the most part yeah okay and um, we also are going to be restocked on all the missing sizes of flg mats within the next two weeks so for anybody who's been waiting on a 44 by 60 or 6 by 4 or a 30 by 22 kill team size, those will all be available relatively soon. So yeah, the COVID was crazy. We thought we were going to go out of business and then we couldn't keep up with business. <laughs> it's just been wild. Yeah. Um, see, any other good questions right here before we wrap it up? Uh, Joe says today, this is an actual reason to go to Atlantic City. Yeah, it's, uh, we're excited about the Atlantic City Open because obviously the Eastern Seaboard is the most populated part of the United States. So it's driving distance from New York, Boston, all these like highly populated cities, uh, DC. And then of course, it's also a short flight, relatively short flight from our friends from the UK and Europe and also from the West Coast. It's not that crazy. So it has potential to be a massive event because it's accessible. Yeah. And Atlantic City is a cool location, very historic location. There's, if you like gambling, you can go gambling. If you like the beach, you can go to the beach. It's in the summertime. The weather is supposed to be really nice at that point in time. And then in, in the chat, a lot of people are getting excited about the New Orleans Open for obvious reasons, because who doesn't like New Orleans? It's one of the coolest cities in the world. It it's is. one of the most unique places I've ever been. So that's we're really excited to work with some of our friends there in New Orleans for the New Orleans Open. Um, yeah, it's going to be awesome. It's yep. going to be really exciting. Uh, Eric Lauterbach says, where can I order a 44 by 60? We are out. Uh, we are we they were way more popular than we thought and a lot of people during lockdown were doing hobby stuff so i think more people were buying stuff than normal and uh we sold out of our initial run but the the literally the the replacement delivery is like on the road so like we're going to get them in get them processed they should be up for sale again in a, a couple weeks at the most hope we're hoping next week but but uh two weeks probably at the max yeah so okay uh texas barbecue that's a good question have you guys made any more terrain for ninth ed density changes our current layouts work um they work fine it's the biggest question for us because we use a lot of terrain with windows is the issue of the base that's the biggest thing for us 
Yeah. But we do have new terrain that we are working on whenever we can uh, get everything caught up and working smooth. Uh, we will have new sets coming out probably in the next couple months. So. And 40K Punk, yep, one day a 40K World Championship. That <laughs> is the goal. Currently, the LVO is basically that, but yeah. um, we want to keep building and making things more awesome and better. Thank you so much for joining us, everybody. We hope you enjoyed this first multicast. Ooh. I have to do one more. I mean, that's what they call it. I think they call it a multicast. A multicast yeah. coming at you across all the interwebs. We hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us. And have a great week. Until next week, uh, get some gaming in. Play some games. Let us know what you think about the base issue. And uh, we will talk to you all next week. Happy gaming.